Hello, everybody. Josh Brown here, back for another great episode on Franchise Euphoria. Well, today's episode is brought to you by IndieFranchiseLaw.com, a leading resource in the franchise space to help you if you're considering buying a franchise, turning your business into a franchise, or growing your business through a licensing or franchise structure. So go on, check it out, IndieFranchiseLaw.com. I think you'll find a lot of valuable and free information as you continue to kind of weigh franchising and licensing and the growth of your business. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of Franchise Euphoria, I'm thrilled to have Neil Newcomb on the show. Neil is the CEO of Kelly's Roast Beef Franchising, and he's a near 30-year veteran of the franchise industry. Neil is responsible for spearheading Kelly's Roast Beef's franchise opportunity, which is the first time the iconic Boston brand has ever had plans to expand out of Boston. Known as the inventor of the modern roast beef sandwich, the famous restaurant has been around for almost 70 years, earning pop culture references in Goodwill Hunting, 30 Rock, and more. Today, a busy location during its peak season can sell upwards of 20,000 roast beef sandwiches a month. Across its multiple locations, Kelly's estimates a staggering 1 million sandwiches sold a year. Neil is excited to bring a taste of Boston to new cities as he helps the brand franchise for the very first time. And ladies and gentlemen, Neil comes today to this podcast with a ton of of experience. Uh, He started his franchise career with McAllister's Deli, which was founded by his family, the Newcomb family, and where he spent 15 years on both the franchisor and franchisee side of the business. In 2008, he joined Brickswood Fired Pizza and served as head of franchising for the brand until 2019. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview with Neil Newcomb. Hello, Neil. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Josh. Well, I love having people on who have such a history in franchising and, you know, you've been involved in franchising for a year or two or maybe like 30 or 30 plus. Uh, So you have a lot to share with us today. Tell us a little bit about your background uh, in franchising in the food industry. Sure. How I got into franchising was my father owned um, real estate in a, a small college, SEC town, Oxford, Mississippi. And we started making sandwiches out of an old gas station that he owned. And it developed over time into McAllister's Deli. And at one point, he decided he wanted to um, franchise. And we used the consulting firm. Oh, I forget its name, but it was Donald Brillian from years ago out of Chicago. Okay, uh, They did a really good job with uh, showing you the ropes. And, and we listened carefully and started franchising. And I worked with lots of franchisees on the during my days at McAllister's and have just grown to embrace franchising as a, as a way to grow a business. Well, and you've really kind of grown up with it. It sounds like, I mean, it's, it's a whole family affair. Sure. Yes. I mean, my dad and my brother are still in franchising and another concept, Nukes Eatery. And I helped franchise uh, a concept in North Carolina during the process of McAllister's. I became a franchisee also of McAllister's in North Carolina and have remained here and uh, franchised a concept called Bricks Wood Fired Pizza in partnership with the founders of Bricks and had some some success there. And But since then, I have formed this partnership with the founders of Kelly's Roast Beef. Yeah, it's fascinating because, you know, I'm in Indiana 
And I actually have some family in Boston, been to Boston, not familiar with Kelly's Roast Beef, but apparently it's been around there for 70 plus years and everybody in Boston knows about it. It has. It is really iconic to that area. Anytime Boston seems to be mentioned in popular media, 30 Rock did a show in Boston and they mentioned eating roast beef at Kelly's and Goodwill Hunting. They are driving around one night and they go to Kelly's. It's it's sort of a, a mainstay for, for the locals in that in that area. How'd you get connected with them? There are two founders, uh, Frank McCarthy and Ray Carey from 70 years ago. They have are no longer with us, obviously, but one of the founders' grandsons is a, a tech CEO in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and we had a mutual friend and got to know each other. And uh, he started telling me about this concept and asking me about it as he was getting involved with the concept as a third-generation family member at a board level. While he was doing that, they had a successful licensing deal with the airport and decided that franchising was a way they wanted to go. And so we we set up a separate company to do the franchising out of. Well, you just were reading my mind. I was just going to ask, you know, franchising is such a unique and oftentimes a really great way, you know, to grow the business, but it's not for everybody. And, you know, oftentimes when you have a, you have an establishment like Kelly's, it's been around for 70 plus years and it's been in, in a market and it's got just a great rapport about it. And it's a staple of that market. I mean, that can be a tough decision for the owners to decide, yeah, let's franchise and go outside of this geographical area. Was it literally after the success of being in the airport that they started thinking about it? Or was this something that they'd been thinking about for a long time? Yeah, I think it was after, I think it was really after the success of the airport. That's where they became accustomed of, of how to train an outsider, how to help an outsider when their operations are veering a little off. You know, I think that's where they decided hey, this is something we can do. And this is something that fits the concept. You know, it's not it's not chef driven. I mean, the roast beef takes a lot of care and attention, but we can train people to do the roast beef. And then the rest is a, a very typical from a, a, you know, fried clams we sell. We have the greatest fried clams, but they're not overly complex. It's very repeatable. Yeah. So tell me about the actual concept for those who don't know, because obviously you hear Kelly's roast beef, you know, their roast beef, but you guys are roast beef, your seafood, and and a few other items. Talk to me about the menu, about how you know the restaurant, the look, the feel, all that stuff. Sure. So let's talk about the feel first. I mean, Revere Beach was the Coney Island area of Boston a hundred years ago. There were Ferris wheels and carousels and street vendors. It was a place where people in Boston went to sort of get away. It's since lost that a little bit, and well, it's lost it a lot. It's it's condominiums and office buildings, and it's more normalized. And our original four restaurants kind of still have a Coney Island feel. Going forward, we we want to embrace the area, so we're creating more of a New England, a greater New England feel in the restaurants with the finish outs. What was the second part of your question? Oh, the the menu. Yeah, the menu. Yeah, like because it's interesting. Like, when you first hear colors roast beef, you're like, oh, do they just have, you know, twenty five different type of variations on roast beef, or or what's you know what what's the menu? But you guys have the roast beef. You got seafood. You've got other items on. I mean, it's a full restaurant menu. Yeah. So originally, it was kind of a hot dog stand, maybe fifteen hundred square feet. One of the founders had a venue 
uh, down the way where he did events and there was a wedding and for whatever reason, a wedding was canceled and they had a lot of roast beef ready for the wedding. And when the wedding was canceled, they, you know, what do we do with it? And they brought it down to the hot dog stand, baked it off and sliced it. And they created this incredible roast beef sandwich. And it's been the best seller uh, ever since. Other good sellers, of course, are a hamburger and a hot dog. We use a Kayim's hot dog, which is unique to Boston. And then typical Boston seafood. Wait, is that, is that, is this, I'm sorry, is that just a local hot dog place there? It is. Okay. K-A-Y-M-E-N. The seafood is, I'm in North Carolina right now. And when you say seafood, or go to a seafood restaurant, there are certain things you expect on the menu. In Boston, you expect a fish and chips, a fish sandwich fried clams, fried scallops, shrimp. We have all of that. And it's um, very much a traditional Boston seafood clam chowder, which is excellent, by the way. Yeah, you have to have clam chowder, right? I mean, there's no way. Absolutely. So I always like, you know, obviously we're on an audio podcast, but, you know, for those listening, I'd like to give them a sense of what it looks like. Describe to me the look and the feel of the restaurant. You know, <laughs> I wish I was a, a a better writer and I could uh, put put vision into words. Um, <laughs> you know, currently, I told you the restaurants have a Coney Island feel to them. A man, Brian McCarthy, who was one of the founder's sons and was a part of the concept for 54 years, bought I don't know how many balsa wood carousel horses and currently each of the restaurants have some carousel look and feel memorabilia to them that's unique plus black and white pictures of revere from the 1920s 30s 40s in the future we're going with more of uh what you would think of if you thought of the perfect beach house on cape cod we're going to gravitate towards that in the future and and less of a carnival atmosphere yeah, I like that. That's got a good look to it. And and the I mean, these are full scale restaurants with are they about four thousand square feet? Well, we have one that's twelve thousand square feet. Wow. Well, when you do eight and a half million dollars out of it, you can do a twelve thousand square foot. Exactly. Restaurant. But there are so few of those sites. Going forward, we're looking for forty five hundred to five thousand square feet with a drive through. Yeah, and so that so a couple of things there. I mean, I just think that's fascinating. I mean, number one, you know, obviously the twelve thousand square foot—that's just a unique operation. Doing eight and a half million out of there. I mean, what yeah. what has that? You know, the people listening are both people who are considering becoming franchisees, and also people who are considering to franchise their business. Talk a little bit about the insight into how, how do you take something that you know is repeatable, like you said. I mean, yeah, you can teach somebody how to do the roast beef. You can teach somebody how to do the scallops, how to do the other types of food items, but how do you decide on how you're going to scale it down a little bit so that you can make the model repeatable? Because it's not as easy to repeat a 12,000 square foot location versus a 4,000 square foot location. But when you trim it down, you've got to do it in a very strategic way. So, so how did that come about? You know, COVID has really helped us focus a great deal. With COVID, so much of our business started going out the drive through window We've thought, wow, let's really get good at this drive-through window, and it allows us to to shrink the restaurant a little bit. And there are some efficiencies there. Also, it takes fewer people in the front of the house to take care of the dining room when the bulk of the food is going out of the drive-through window. A little bit more in packaging costs, but not significant. But we do see a drop in labor. We've also had a tradition from decades back of being the late night place to go in Revere. When the bars closed, people came to Kelly's. 
because COVID and the state of Massachusetts wanted everybody to limit their hours and close earlier and get everybody home, we found that we can significantly cut labor uh, with shorter hours. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's a big key. I mean, obviously, COVID, there's been a lot of things that have come about as a result of COVID. I want to dive into that, you know, here in a couple minutes. Um, But the whole idea of the drive-through, I mean, I agree with you. It just seems like there's, from a restaurant perspective, having a drive-through and or some other kind of quick service kind of element has been key. I mean, you know, the, the restaurants that I work with, there's a few exceptions. I mean, there's some that are big full-scale operations that have done fine, but the vast majority of them are the ones that have, have drive-throughs or more of the quick service, you know, getting it out. And especially in the climates where, you know, now we're going to be turning to wintertime and I think the drive-throughs are going to become all the more important. Mm-hmm. So, and for every location that you guys are building out from here on, it's going to have to have a drive-through component. Yes, we are in negotiation with what I would call a, a Kelly's Express, which is in you know, sports facilities, transportation hubs, well, much like our, our Boston Logan Airport location. But outside of an express location, you, you really need a drive-through. Well, so as you know, I mean, obviously operating a business, being you know the head of a restaurant, operating an individual restaurant or several is different than franchising it. And obviously on the franchising side, you're looking for certain kinds of franchisees. I'm curious with Kelly's, who's the ideal type of franchisee to come in and become part of the Kelly's brand? I don't think we're unique from other franchisors where we want to see people that have a history of solid operations in the restaurant business or a history of business ownership. And then after that, can you finance what what you want to do? I mean, you may want to open five restaurants, but can finance one. So let's easily finance one. So we can talk about that. I think every franchisor would probably answer that question the same way. I have found in the past that you really don't know if somebody's going to succeed or fail until they get into your system. In a past life, I have witnessed people succeed in other concepts and fail at the one I'm franchising. And I've seen people go from having zero restaurant experience to being really, really good at it because of their own efforts. They just decided they were going to be good at it and they made it happen. Well, I mean, and to a certain extent, too. I mean, it's the type of, you know, what's the main, I mean, in a restaurant, obviously you have to have, as the franchisee, I would imagine coming into a Kelly's franchise, they're going to have to be heavily involved in the day-to-day, but they're going to have to be particularly good at bringing in a good manager, bringing in good people who can hire good people, stay on top of the staffing, stay on top of the service. I mean, you've been in the food industry for for over 30 years, you know, as we said, and, and it's just such a hard business (laughs) business <laughs> to pee in. I mean, do you think that's a fair statement? I mean, it's just- I do. Um, I will say this. Our average unit volumes are, are 5 million, 5.1. So the $8 million is not, or $8.5 million restaurant is not necessarily an outlier. Sure. And at, at those volumes, a franchisee does not need to unlock it in the morning and lock it up at night. They need a full management team because at that volume and with the, the number of employees that it takes- as a franchise owner, you will be busy with ownership uh, and, and all the tasks that ownership take. So you, you do have to hire a qualified general manager who is accustomed to running a high volume. You're unique too, because you've been a franchisee and a franchisor. I'm curious for those who are listening, who are considering you know, becoming franchisees, uh, whether it be of Kelly's or some other kind of concept. I and mean, what are some things that you've learned over the years when you were a franchisee that 
you could maybe impart onto folks who are considering that in terms of a business investment? You know, I think the jobs of a franchisor, you really need to be good at training. You have to be able to communicate to an incoming franchisee, these are the best practices and let me tell you exactly how to do them. You really need to be good at real estate to make sure it's such an important part of the restaurant business to make sure you're getting the right sites and your franchisees know what the right sites are. You really need to communicate to the consumer the value of the brand and why they should eat there. You, you, you've you got to be good at marketing. And then finally, each year, you've got to improve the brand somehow, whether it's a new menu item or a new piece of software or a new marketing campaign. You've always got to keep improving the brand. Um, can't sit on last year's laurels. As a franchisee, the best thing you can do for your success is A, pick a good franchisor, you do that first, and then B, execute. Make the right decision the first time, and then every day, that's one decision that you make first, and then every day you have to execute. You know, earlier you mentioned COVID and how, you know, that kind of helped with you guys thinking about a drive-through type concept. I'm curious, I, I got to imagine just like everybody else, COVID's been challenging. I mean, what are some other things that you guys have done or what have you seen with the Kelly's brand through COVID? And what are you envisioning going into 2021? Well, going into 2021, we don't know what we're going to find. I expect from what I read, there's a lot of empty restaurant space that will be coming on the market. And there will be a lot of great managers who need to work. And I don't mean to sound predatory because I truly believe that's going to dry up pretty quick. The really good restaurant spaces will be filled midway through 2021, and the good managers will be hired before then. One thing COVID taught us or reinforced was that in employment, you do have a, a hard, stiff competitor that's hard to compete with, with um, the federal government, because when the $600 a week checks came out, uh, a lot of people just said, you know what, I'm going to accept this. And even though unemployment was 20%, it was still very hard to find employees. And uh, we paid a $2 an hour uh, premium so we could staff our restaurants. And you get efficient. Gosh, we've always scored well on health inspections and we've always prided ourselves on our cleanliness and didn't know we could do it, but we got even cleaner. Well, and I mean, that's the thing about, you know, when you look at any kind of silver lining in any kind of, you know, catastrophe or pandemic or um, health scare, economic scare, whatever. I mean, the reality is, and to a certain extent with COVID, it sort of accelerated things that were already happening. You know, it accelerated the remote workspace. From a restaurant perspective, it accelerated, I think, the whole trend of quick service, drive-throughs, all that kind of. I mean, that was all kind of happening because of the way in which we live, right? I mean, you know, we're so, everybody's busy, everybody's on the run. Um, you're seeing many, many more concepts like that and the ability to basically really tend to the consumer's needs. Right. If I want to come in and sit down and eat, great. But if I need something fast, let's have a drive through so we can get people through fast. I completely agree with you. And the restaurant industry found new ways to use technology that existed before. It just they were put into practice with COVID. And also people that maybe they hadn't used Amazon very often became heavy Amazon users. And will they go back to drive into a, a brick and mortar store? I don't know, but uh, probably not. I know my in-laws figured out how to have groceries delivered to their house and uh, use it all the time now. Oh, and that's huge, right? Especially in the wintertime. I mean, for people who just don't want to go out, it's like, why do I need to go out? I'll just have them delivered. Absolutely. 
thank you, Neil, for coming on. I'm really fascinated by Kelly's Roast Beef and their story, in part because I hadn't heard of it <laughs> until I knew I was interviewing you. And I love hearing about these, you know, great sort of staple places. You know, it's been around for a long, long time. If anybody wants to learn more about it, you can go to Kelly's Roast Beef That's Kelly's Roast Beef You can also find them on Facebook and, um, Real fast before we end, Neil, I'm just curious, where where are you guys looking to expand? I mean, do you have some particular geographic areas in mind or are you open to really all across the U.S.? We are open all across the U.S., but the farther away you get from Boston, the more qualifications and operational background you'll need to have. We really want to focus on New England because the brand name is so strong in New England. But it's also strong in South Florida. I've gotten a lot of interest in South Florida. An article was written about us in South Florida and the feedback we got through social media and websites where people can email us was really overwhelming. I was surprised at how how well-known we are down there and would like to get restaurants open there as quickly as I can. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your time here today. And again, if you want to learn more, you can go to Kelly's Roast Beef Franchise.com. And I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed the podcast in general, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It really helps to get this podcast out to more and more people. So the easy way to do it is go to iTunes and in the search box, put in Franchise Euphoria. You will then see my cover art and you click on my smiling face that says Franchise Euphoria and then click on the link that says ratings and reviews. It's that simple, but boy, oh boy, does it mean the world to me when people leave ratings and reviews. And like I said, it really helps get the show out there. Once again, would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes of the show. And until the next time, happy franchising.